Welcome to the Sound and Marketing Podcast. Today we pick up where we left off with Rupal Patel of Vocal ID, talking about synthetic voice and how it is not just about utility. There has to be language and emotion and humanity to make it truly effective. Now back to the show. This has always been my question is when is synthetic voice and conversational AI going to be able to do sarcasm? The machine learning in that direction would probably really, really help. Like if I'm talking for 60 to 90 minutes, I'm going to get sarcastic in there somewhere. And so, and I know that there's a different intonation with that. And like, because when you say something sarcastic, you're saying something that's kind of not truth, but you have to emote it in a way that people can catch on to it. For me, that's a huge personality thing um, that would really make it emote like Gina. Yeah. Well, sarcasm is a bunch of things, right? It, it isn't necessarily non-true, but it's oftentimes also kind of, you have to have some knowledge of what the person said before to know what well, this is actually not what they mean, right? You're sort of using a contrast. Um, so linguistic elements like sarcasm or emotion in general is actually really hard for synthesis, primarily because Synthesis is about speech. You also have to have a language model, right? To have to know sort of what was said before, why this is being said now, what's the context of it being said. And so most speech synthesis models do have some language model, but speech itself varies by context so much. And the, the copy we give, you know, the, the text that we give as input to the speech synthesizer doesn't know all this, right? And so if we were able to give more cues to the speech synthesizer, then yes, we could do those things. So oftentimes I think about the state of speech synthesis in terms of real conversational AI as being a human machine um, problem. Because to expect a machine is going to be able to take copy and even just with punctuation marks and no director's notes or any of that stuff and actually have the right kind of delivery, humans don't even do this. Right? There's, there's no reason to believe that a machine can do this. But if we were able to say, okay, here's the text, here's a copy, and now have someone who is a human then be able to change some knobs and dials to say, ah, say this with a little bit higher pitch, a little bit lower pitch, drop your pitch a little bit, sound like you're furring your eyebrows, maybe drop your, your larynx a little bit. All those things are doable as, as a post-processing step, but there's a human machine element there, which I think for, produ for produced audio, I think that's what that's the solution we're looking for. So I think the ask right now with speech synthesis is like, make it say it the right way each time, and all I'm going to give you is text coming in. That's kind of an unfair, um, <laughs> it, it's, it's not, it, there's no way a machine can do that. I guess that goes back to, I, I interviewed Noelle Silver a while back, and she said AI is only as diverse and as smart as the developer behind it. So uh, those of you that are afraid that, you know, robots are going to take over the world, I think we got a little bit more because it sounds like we still need to have the control of a human being pushing those dials and knobs around. So that's that's good to know. Um, another issue that has been in the voice first world a lot, and there's open voice network that's exploring it a lot, is how do we how do we make sure that voice is not abused? Because all the things that we've been talking about is very high tech and there's a lot of ways to trick and there's a lot of ways to probably get away with things that people probably shouldn't. Um, you know, I was hearing about, there was a, a voiceover artist 
that um, her voice was stolen by a company in China or Japan or something like that. They were using like a TikTok for her voice um, and she didn't even know it. And so like what kinds of things uh, do you see that could be put in place so that this very powerful tool is not abused? I mean, I think that there's a lot of things that can be done with any new technology that's powerful. Um, there are always going to be people who learn how to misuse it or abuse it. Um, so there's technological things that can be done and methodological things that can be done. For example, there's ways to protect the voices or watermark them and so on and so forth. The business models can be used in different ways. So for example, our voices, you know, aren't, you can't just get on them, get to them on a website where you just type in whatever you want if you're just any old user. Because again, that's the voice talent is part of the equation here in creating this voice, right? Um, so there's, there's models of how you're using the voice, how you're licensing the voice, um, the actual technology itself. And then this last part is really, is, is also awareness building amongst consumers. Um, so, you know, on the one end, I absolutely understand the, um, the fear. The other too, though, is that this is high tech. This is, um, you know, you have to have quite a few you, you have to know how to build a voice. And yes, there's a lot of open source tools out there these days. And they can make pretty good approximations of synthetic voices. But when you want to make a convincing enough one and do all these manipulations, you do require a lot more expertise. Um, and so I think that it's very important for us to have the right safeguards and protections proactively in place, um, which is really, really important, which is why Vocal ID has sort of been a, a thought leader in this area, trying to you know, bring together and corral other synthetic media companies as well into thinking about, well, how do we protect the voices from being misused even before this happens? But in addition to that, I think it's really important for us to educate people to understand what are the realisticness, what is the realisticness of these fears? And, and to what degree can, you know, very, very basic things help in terms of um, preventing that kind of doomsday scenario? Obviously, it is a doomsday scenario, but because it's new tech, people are nervous. They're afraid, like, you know, some people don't want to even have a smart speaker in their home because they're afraid that it's listening. Um, and and there's there's real thoughts behind that. So Oh, absolutely. It's good it's good to know that there are that the that there are companies out there that are paying attention and it's not just about the dollar, it's not just about the functionality, but it's also about the safety and the awareness and um putting things in place that will stick for the next 20, 30, 40, 100 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think when you think about voice um, in comparison to things like, you know, your password and things like that, you can't just switch it out, right? And so it's really, really important to protect voice. And also um, when you talk about voice talent, these are not people who just use their voice. They're using their voice for their daily, you know, to, you know as, as uh, the way they earn money. And so it's really important to have sort of the different kinds of protections along the way when you're talking about individuals that are everyday individuals versus individuals that are like really using their voice for the other use cases. So um, very important, I think, to be thinking about these ahead of time. If you were to better utilize uh, synthetic voice in brand marketing, what would that look like for you? Like, have you seen, I don't know if that, that question can spur on like a bad use that you've seen of it or something that you see potential in synthetic voice really creating uh, a, a cool definition of some brands marketing. So a couple of things on that. I have a couple of thoughts on that. So when we talk about synthetic voice today, it almost has this um, 
already existing negative connotation to it, right? It's this, it's this artificial thing that is like kind of fake and it's like aspartame, you know, like <laughs> why would you put it in there? Um, but at the same time, it has a lot of potential um, uses for creativity that we really haven't really touched on. And I think that's because we're in early days of this technology, there's this, the fear factor is dominating over what can this do for us? Um, and I think, you know, when we finally get comfortable with this medium, just like we've gotten comfortable, for example, with special effects and videos, you know, and, and on screen and so on, I think we'll start to really see its potential. One of the things I would love to see of, of this technology is the ability to really, really bring in broader voices from um, a broader audience. So for example, we hear so many different voices in the world that we live. And yet the voices that we hear on radio and TV and film are pretty uniform or caricaturized versions of people from different areas or from different groups, right? And so what I'd love to hear is the capability for this technology as we broaden its capabilities and usage to really be, you know, where products can say, oh, you know what? I want to mark, you know, micro segment this part of my user base and and use this voice not to convince to, to, to deceive them or anything like that, but actually to make that pro product stickier, to make that product more like it belongs, right? Um, we don't, you know, we don't say, oh, you know what? Why is there a size two and a size eight and a size ten of clothing, right? You know, go, oh, fine, this is great. This is actually tailored to me. Similarly, the voice experience should be tailored to the end user. And I think that when we can, we'll really see, I mean, of course there's the double-edged sword of like then, you know, is it just for marketing or is it actually for product, right? And so we can argue about that another day, but I do think that using voice in very specific targeted ways for different audiences is an advantage that only technology can get us there. I mean, I think we obviously, obviously we do that with human voices today, but the fact that the, that an artificial voice can generate content on the you know, on cue um, gives us a lot more creative potential that way. And that could be every, in every industry, not just, you know, um, entertainment or marketing, but also to, you know, to healthcare, education, and all of these uh, different areas where it's important to have a trusted voice experience, um, a belonging, you know, voice experience and so on. We are sensorial creatures. We can't just slap on a sound and call that authentic, it needs to actually represent us. And, um, you know, I've, I've been talking about it a lot as a brand has a persona as well. We always talk about customer personas, but a brand has a persona as well. What does that brand sound like? I think that that's a, a true conversation that every company should be having. And it's, it's a difficult one because it feels so esoteric, but you know, once you really sit back and think, you know, there, Every, every brand makes a sound, but that's my own. Uh, I'll, I'll get off that soapbox. <laughs> I hear you. I mean, every brand has a voice and, um, you know, and in the past it's been spokespeople for that voice, right? Especially if you're a big brand, most small brands couldn't have a voice and they were, they were literally silenced. Right. Mm -hmm. So now we're giving brands of all sizes a voice. And if you think about it too, um, we bought into this vision that every brand should have one voice and yet every brand has multiple customer segments. And so, yes, maybe it's important not for it to have like sort of schizophrenic sounding different voices for all of its market segments, but 
is there a way for there to be a cohesive brand voice and yet still different styles to speak to the various different audiences, right? Um, so I think that there's, there's a lot of work to be done here and there's a lot of good psychological research to point to to say, well, why is that important? And you know, what, what will voice give you that we haven't been able to do thus far with marketing? It's very exciting. Uh, do you have any exciting things coming down the pike that you think are going to be groundbreaking for synthetic voice and conversational AI? So we haven't necessarily been focusing on conversational AI um, so much because we have, we've been thinking about um, applications where there is that human in the loop to get the most sort of authentic sounding and realistic sounding voice with conversational AI because the speed of return from you know, sending a command in and then getting something out typically is really quick. Um, there isn't that time in between, right? Um, so I think that right now we're, we're dealing with a lot of hacks when it comes to conversational AI in terms of what you can make the voice sound like. Oh, you can put a question mark and it you know, increases the intonation contour at the end or something, or you can put a little bit of SSML and change it a little. These are really uh, time consuming things. Um, what we're really interested in is how do we take uh, human styles, different, various different styles and create modules or capabilities where you can say, I wanted to speak in this, this other style of speech. I wanted to um, be more announcey here. I want it to be more calm here, things like that. So that's one thing that we're working on. I think that will be really interesting in the, in the virtual assistant space. The other is that um, we have always um, offered our technology on an embedded platform. Um, for those who are speechless. Um, and up until now, some of our newest technologies have been offered um, only on cloud-based APIs because they've been really big models. So we're also working right now on, on reducing the size of those models to maybe offer them also on embedded platforms, which I think would be really exciting. Thank you. I didn't realize that there was a different definition for synthetic voice and conversational AI. So I just learned something very important that I will keep in mind as I have conversations in the future. <laughs> well, I think they're all bucketed together, but I think just in terms of thinking about how you use them, they could be different applications, like pre-stored or pre, you know, not pre-recorded, but pre-generated samples versus generated on the fly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Rupal, thank you so much for your time. This has been wonderful. Thank you, Gina. It's been great talking to you. And I, and I hope that the definition doesn't get too murky, but I, I, bet you anything within two years, we'll have a conversation again about synthetic speech and there'll maybe be even another method of how we make it. So it's a oh, I'm sure. field. Yeah. I'm sure even 10 or 20 years ago, this would be a completely different conversation. <laughs> and that's, what's really exciting about it, that there, the field is changing so quickly and it's, you know, what we can ask for and expect out of the technology is um, it's constantly, the envelope is being pushed farther and further. It's very exciting. Yeah. I hope you're enjoying the show. Don't forget to subscribe on all the major podcast channels. Share with friends, follow, and rate. Spread the word because, well, more people should know about this stuff. I know you know that now. For any other inquiries, you can find me at Dreamer Productions. That's D-R-E-A-M-R productions.com or soundofmarketing.com, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also email me at Gina, J-E-A-N-N-A, at dreamerproductions.com. All links will be provided in the show notes. Let's make this world of sound more intriguing, more unique, and more and more on brand.